0: in ephesians chapter 6 i just want to read one verse here um therefore in verse 13 take up the whole armor of god that you might be able to withstand in the evil day having done having done all to stand just think about those words with me this morning having done all to stand having done all stand and i want us to think about that word stand for a minute in verse 14 stand therefore Now let's go back to um joshua chapter 3 and let's just continue our Journey through chapter three of, of Joshua. And let's pray, and, and then we may be seated. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, God, uh, for the words that we've already heard, the time of worship. And we pray right now that you would just speak to us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. amen. And you may be seated. Um, you know, when we look at the amazing story of what God is doing with Joshua and the uh, Israelites. We see that we see that um, we like we said uh, the last couple of weeks that uh, Joshua's representation of Jesus Christ, and uh, when we look at the book of Joshua, I think it's so often easy to look at Joshua and say, "Okay, uh, I gotta be Joshua. I've gotta be. I've gotta." Uh, be the achiever i've got to claim these things i got to make sure that this happens uh that and we can look at the book of a, the book of joshua from the perspective of achieve of, of achievement and really miss the main message here that jesus is our joshua that we are following jesus into the promised land and he is the conqueror he has conquered and he is the one who has overcome the enemies and so what has happened up to this point was is that Uh, Moses has died. Uh, He is in the hills of uh, um, Bel-Peor, and that is where he is. He cannot go into the promised land. Uh, He represents the law and the old covenants. Now there is a new covenant. God brings the children of Israel through this amazing journey through the desert. Now, um, to look at, to understand this in a fresh way, we have to understand that when okay, Israel is at the Jordan right now, and it's very—it reminds me of when they were at the Red Sea, and here they are at the Red Sea. But it's a whole other scenario. These are different people. <coughs> Actually, there is not even this. There's not even one person that is from that previous group that p- passed over the Red Sea. They all died in the wilderness because of un- unbelief. There's only three men that. There's, there's actually only two men that are making it and that is Joshua and Caleb and so um, they come to the Jordan they they park at Shittim and that's where they it's a few miles from the from the uh, Jordan River uh, we, as we remember in, in Numbers 25 uh, this Shittim was not a great place this was a very this was a place of great defeats for the Israelites because the daughters of Moab came in and seduced them and it was just a this city was just a, was a, was a memorial in the mind of the Israelites of failure. And sometimes we come to these places in our life where it reminds us, well, we were there before, and it was just a place of great failure or a place of great dis- disappointment. Here, it's a whole other situation. God has brought them to this place. Like, God brings us to these places in our life. Places where we've failed before, God brings us back because he wants us to learn he wants us to see that he's going to bring us through, through victory. And so there they are, and they're camping out there for three days. They're there for three days. And what happens is that we know that Joshua sends these two spies into the land to check the, the land out, especially Jericho. These two spies come back, and they, um, they have an amazing report. There's a woman named Rahab. Her whole family is, is believed on the testimony of God, uh, in, the, in the lives of the Israelites, and they have told us that the entire the entire nation, the whole area, the, all of Canaan, their hearts are melted because of the testimony of God, these people, the Israelites, and the ark in their midst. This is really important because and I was thinking about this is that when Israel comes out of, when Israel comes out of um, Egypt, they are at the Red Sea. They're panicking. They're freaking out. They're, they're so upset. They're like, Moses, have you have you brought us out here so that we would die in this, in this wilderness? And there's such a confession of unbelief. And Moses here, uh, it's not Joshua, it's Moses. And Moses is parting the Red Sea with a rod, okay, with a stick. And he's passing through them. Now this is a whole other situation. God is forging this nation in 40 years of trials and difficulty you know these times of difficulty these times of trial these times of like like Michael was talking about these times when we would just rather not be in this situation these are times when God is forging something inside of you when Joseph was in jail one translation said that um, in the King James it says that his feet were hurt with fetters and with iron, one translation says that God was putting iron in his soul. When we are in these hard times, there's a forging process going on. God is preparing us with the character, the guts, the no-nonsense, and the, and the faith to take a land that we don't even see yet. And so when Israel goes through the desert these 40 years, you know, we know that they could have just taken an 11-day journey... And gone straight from egypt straight through the, Philist- the the region of the philistines and gone right into the right into canaan but if they had done that they would have been not ready inside they would have not been ready in their character they would have not been ready in their built uh, in their just guts to face the situation the philistines were these uh, what we're going to talk next week i want to just talk about the demonic gods and the 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 cities and what all of canaan and all that religion represented and who the giants were and what this whole why this was so important that god was bringing this nation of israel into canaan and how redemptive the amazing redemptive plan of god was in all of this not just for israel but for all of mankind but if god had if 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 the israelites had gone straight from egypt to to the phil to the philistines they would have not been ready Physically, they would have not been ready spiritually, and they would have not been ready inside with their character. And so God brings them, Moses brings them through the leadership of God through the desert. And so now they are at the there at the Jordan, and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. Verse 2, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. And we're just going to go through chapter 3 here, and I want to just make some comments um, on each verse. Commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall, know, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. What's different here? Follow me here, and, and, uh, and, and, and I'm not going to be speaking very long, but follow me here, and let's look at the amazing details here. Is that something is different here. Israel is not being led now by a cloud by day and a fire by night. Israel is not being led by a rod. Israel is being led now by the ark. Israel is being led by Joshua, who is a person. And, and read this with me. And when the ark begins to move, then you shall move from your place. Let me ask you a question here. Do we move... Do we make decisions? Are we moving from our place, from one place to another, following the ark? Are we following the presence of God? Are we being led by the Holy Spirit? I just, I'm hitting this point because it's in the text. Is that, do we make decisions because God is moving, or do we make decisions based on opportunity, based on comparison, like we heard earlier, or or based on some deficit motivation? Let's hear from God and let's move. Joshua, as we spoke about uh, just before New Year's, Joshua had a relationship with the ark. Joshua was a man that knew the ark, the presence of God amongst the people of God. Let's hear from God before we make major decisions. Let's take time and listen to God. My wife and I were talking about just some um, some family decisions that we're going to make about where we live and everything. We're just going to take a month and pray about it. We're just going to pray. And when you see the ark move then on the shoulders of the priest, then you shall follow it. In verse 4. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits. And that's calculated to be about a half a mile in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you go, for you have not passed this way before. Now, what is it saying there? What does that mean? Don't come near it. Uh what is it saying like that you have not been this way before? Because it, has not, it doesn't only mean that Israel was not there uh, that, by that way before geographically, but it also means that there's a new way God is moving in the midst of the Israelites. God has not, you, God has not moved in your life this way. Some of us are, are at a place, all of us every day, are at a place where God is saying to us, you have not been this way before. Follow the ark. Keep your eyes on the ark. Do we have an arc in our midst? You know, I think there's a lot of religious organizations that collect money every Sunday. Can I ask a question, though? And I'm not—I don't want to be critical, and I don't want to be—you know—I don't want because anybody could be this way. But is there an arc there? Is there an arc, or is it—is it something else? And so the distance. What does that distance mean? Does it mean that we know, like, we don't like to in this world of social media and this world of like. Interaction and relationship we don't like that word distance but what does this word distance mean here it means just very simply uh, because the whole text here this whole book of Joshua is about intimacy with God this distance here is can probably be most likely described in a practical way because here you have two million people and you have this ark which was not very large and it was on the shoulders of a group of priests. It could be very, If it was, if it was overcrowded, it could be easily lost. The ark was to go a half a mile ahead and start moving towards the Jordan, and then they were to follow it. Imagine the scene here. They are probably in a very flat area, um, and it's sunny, and there is this shiny golden object. In the distance about a half a mile away when you think about a half a mile away looking a half a mile away what do you think of I was trying to imagine that um, yesterday like what is a half a mile look away on flat land shiny a small group of men and you can just you can just barely see it sometimes when God is moving in your life it seems like that God is far away but he's not why because there's a Joshua. In your presence that's speaking to you and that's jesus christ amen sometimes god feels far away in what he's doing sometimes god seems so far so far ahead of you sometimes we don't see like what is god doing i can just kind of see this shiny object in the in the distance and that is god but god has sent joshua as a communicator to the people jesus is our joshua and i love how he's talking to people Moses is not talking. He is doing something different. Moses is a holy man, prophet of God. I'm not knocking that. But Joshua here represents Jesus Christ. You have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, in verse 5, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Okay? What does that mean? What I, this, this week I just poured over this chapter over and over and over and over and amber asked if i had any notes this morning i wrote no notes down so i you know i'm just flying here without notes i'm just going through the text verse by verse because it's such a rich there's probably so many notes i could write about this i probably would have just confused myself with all the notes so i'm just going here verse by verse consecrate yourself what does that word consecrate mean consecration here with the israelites do you remember back in the book of exodus the same thing moses said to the people consecrate yourselves what did they do they washed their clothes, they did all these they did a lot of this OCD stuff for days they were just cleaning everything up. Here it's different because there's no time to wash your clothes there's no time to do all this stuff. Moses uh, Joshua says consecrate yourselves. What does that mean? Consecration in the Old Testament when you look at the Hebrew and I'm not a Hebrew scholar but I have some great books when you look at consecration, what does that mean? every time, Something was consecrated for the Lord's work or the Lord's use in the temple. It was done by one way. And you know how that was done? How was that done? It was anointed, right? There was anointed, oil put on it, or there was anoint- it was anointed with blood. Consecration in the Old Testament, Girdlestone, if you ever get a hold of his book of Old Testament synonyms, does a great job with this when he talks about consecration and holiness. It always happens when there was contact with something holy. Yeah. You could take an unholy object and it would become holy because it touched something in the tabernacle. Yeah. That's why the children of Israel could not come into the tabernacle. They could not touch anything in there because the stuff in the tabernacle was holy and they were not. They were, they were, they were just the people of God. But Christ had not died in the flesh yet. But objects could become holy by just contact. You know what consecration means for the New Testament believer? It means it means contact with God. It means that I am in communion with God. It means that I am I'm in the midst of the people of God. When you come, when we gather like to midweek, when we like we did this past week at the cells, when we come here on Sundays, when we get together at just a Saturday morning event or just whatever, sitting together and we're breaking bread together. It could be over a Chick a Chick fil A sandwich, it could be it could be over a coffee. But when we're breaking bread together, that is consecration. That's what we need in our lives. That is body life. And so, so Joshua is saying, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders. And I love this because this is this is a command with promise. This is God. The Lord will do wonders among you. I wonder. If, as we look at 2019 and I'm still yeah I'm still new year's mode and when we think about the future like let's prepare our hearts in expectation and looking at the ark and looking at jo- listening to Joshua speak to us and prepare in our hearts for the lord to do wonders in our midst do we live in such a calculated society so technologically adept that we have we have um, outplanned god and so what is it verse 6 and in the same breath, what does Joshua do? Joshua says to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua continues to say, and this is important, he says to the priest, and this is amazing, this just hit me to like a ton of bricks, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. What is that saying? This is the, this is the implementation of consecration. This is what consecration means for you and I. Sometimes we get on this trip like, I gotta sanctify myself. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. People do this at Lent. What are you giving up for God? I'm giving up this. I'm giving up that. Consecration <clears throat> happens for you and I when verse 6, we understand verse 6. Joshua says to the priests, he says, Bring the ark in the face of the people. This Hebrew word here is panim, which means before the very face, the very presence. Panim is a word in the Hebrew, which is an amazing word. If you, it means to be in the face of, or the personal space of another. It means to be in the, in the to be in the sphere of what Joshua is saying here. It's so incredible that consecration can only happen in our life when we understand that the presence of God is in our midst, before our face. Do we get that? It's not me giving up things or conquering things or give. Or having victory over all these addictions—that all happens when we understand that we, the face of God, that the Ark of the Covenant is in our presence, in our house. Isn't that amazing? Our house, our familiar environment—it's in our midst. It's in our relationships. David said to Jonathan, "Let the Lord be between us." And when the Lord is between us, when the Lord is in our midst, and He is, and it's not something that we need to conjure up, but when we understand when when we as priests and by the way when you look at this chapter who are we we're the priests <laughs> First Peter 2 verse five and nine we're the priests you and I are the priests Peter says that you and I are the people that are carrying the presence of God between our shoulders into the midst of the of, of a nation that's been called by God for something this is so beautiful because consecration is 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 illustrated by joshua by saying consecrate yourselves but guess what there's no time to wash your clothes so this is what we're going to do bring the ark into the midst amen let's look at god what is the ark the ark we know is that it bo- was that box that container that inside the law was inside of it and the manna and there was a, aaron's rod was in there and it was sealed it was sealed by a golden cover and on top of that there were these there were these two cherubim that were that had, the, that had their wings over it, and they were looking down, and they were looking at this spot in the middle of the top of the box, and what was that spot? It was where the blood of the sacrifice was applied. That is the center of attention right now in heaven, in your life, the blood that's on the altar. That's what is in our midst. Shed blood. The presence of God. God can only be present in our life if there's shed blood. And that shed blood was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That means our sins are far as far from us as far as the east is from the west. And when we understand this and we begin to live with the ark that's in our midst, in our presence, the panim, the presence of God, consecration happens. Amen? Moses could not do this. Moses brought Moses brought in this law, which is holy and acceptable. This is the way God thinks, but it, could, it was weak in that it was weak, in that it was weak in, the, in that the flesh could not fulfill it. Take up the Ark of the Covenant. It's not just the Ark, but the Ark of the Covenant. God's doing something new with the children of Israel and bring it before the people. In verse 7, the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that, you, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What does this remind you of? Think of that. Just think about, okay, where Matthew chapter 3, Jordan. Jesus is at the Jordan. What does God do with Jesus at the Jordan? God speaks from heaven and magnifies his son and lifts up his son. This is all about Joshua. And then Joshua repeats all this to the people, but he doesn't say that part. I'm here. God's going to magnify me today. He doesn't do that because God is doing that. The Spirit is doing that. And as for you, command the priests who bear the ark in verse 8, of the covenant when you come to the brinks of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. What's this chapter about? It's about what's it? one word, four letters, begins with R, ends with T. Rest, <laughs> rest. It's about the rest of God. It says here in the beginning of the chapter that the children of Israel came there, they're sitting for three days, and what are they doing? Resting. When God's gonna do a great work in our life, just chill out in the grace of God. Lay down in green pastures. Just say, you know what? What's my goal today? Psalm twenty three, lay down in green pastures. I'm just gonna I'm gonna wait on you. Guys, I'm preaching to myself. Okay, maybe you're not getting much out of this, but I'm preaching to myself because I'm the overachiever in the room. Rest. Just rest. God's got this. Amen. Amen. Rest, Pastor Chris. <laughs> Take it easy. Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to me. Listen to this. Don't you love the way Joshua's talking to the Israelites? He's saying, come here, draw near. In Luke chapter 15, the publicans and the sinners drew near to listen to him. Why? Because he had a message. He had the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we have to really evaluate our message. Are we preaching preaching the finished work? Are we preaching the gospel? Because... When we're preaching the gospel, that's when lives are changed. And he says, draw near. Because when the, when the priests who bear the ark, when you come to the brinks of the water, you shall stand still in the Jordan. This is much different than the Red Sea. You had, you had the high-profile prophet Moses with the rod. And with the rod he's casting, he's, he's laying it out and the, and, the, uh, and, the, and the sea parts. And there's an east wind that comes. This time there's no wind. There's no rod, and there's no Egyptians coming. It's quiet, and there's no complaining going on here. The Israelites have grown. They have grown in the wilderness. They've come out of the complaining and the self-centeredness, and now they're in a place of maturity, and they're waiting on God to come into the promised land. When you're in the midst, stand still in the Jordan. Picture this. Half a mile away, two million people. All eyes are on you as the priest. You ever been in a situation where you got the ark and you're like, and you're kind of walking with the other guys, like walking towards like, what's going to happen? I don't know. (laughs) We're supposed to stand in the, we're supposed to stand in the Jordan. And the Jordan is this, we know that the Jordan at this time, because it says here later on in the chapter, that it's overflowing. That all this water is coming down from the mountains and there's broken trees and branches and lots of debris and this river is moving at a high rate of speed. And you have like, it's like almost like in some cases like rapids. And so you're holding this box and it's like if there's a lot of pressure coming. And, it's, and you walk up and you walk into the Jordan and you're just standing there. I don't, we don't know how long they were standing there. Sometimes it feels like an eternity. Sometimes when we are abiding in the presence of God... In weakness, like we talked about this week, when we're in weakness, yet the power of Christ is resting upon us. You ever feel that way? Yeah. I feel so weak. I feel like so unable. I feel like I'm just. I just can barely. I barely get out of bed this morning, and as I just go and start my day, the power of Christ is resting on me because I'm resting in the in the promise because I have the Ark. And so they're standing in the Jordan. I just want to take a moment here and just say. What Jordan are we facing today? The Jordan here speaks of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it also talks about barriers that seem by sight to block us from the promises that God has for us by sight. What Jordan do you and I, I, I can probably name 14 Jordans right now in my life that I could just say this, 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 this seems to be hindering me from experiencing the answers to prayer. And so they're standing there. They're standing there with the ark of the presence of God. I love that. God, can, God does not need a Hollywood production. God can take the risk of what people may seem to think by what it looks like with the priest standing in the Jordan. <clears throat> Come here and listen to verse 9. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know. We preached on this Sunday night before New Year's you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out before you the Amorite drive out before you the Canaanites the Hittites the Hivites the Perizzites the Girgashites the Amorites and the Debusites seven nations okay each one of those nations has a very interesting meaning spiritually and next week I'm going to talk about that seven nations thirty-three kings including Og and Sihon on the other side of the Jordan, on the east side. Thirty-three kings, seven nations. This is what God's going to do with these people. And verse 11, what does he say? Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. This is how we know that God's going to defeat the enemies that are possessing the land that you and I are supposed to be possessing, and that is that the ark of the Lord is going before us. God's presence is going before us. I like to look at it like this. I haven't lived tomorrow yet, but God has. The Ark of the Covenant is is already in tomorrow, and it's in already in next year, and it's already ten years from now. It's already in my retirement. The Ark of the Covenant is already there. The presence of God is there. God has lived that all out because God lives in a timeless state. Does that make sense? God lives in a timeless state. So that means my tomorrows are already complete in Christ. They're completed. I don't need to strive. I don't need to worry. I don't need to like run around uh, in a in a panic mode because the ark of the covenant has going on before us. And now, therefore, in verse twelve, take twelve men, and what he does is that they take a man from each tribe. And when the souls of the feet of the priests are bearing the ark, the Lord of all the earth, first time that this is that this is ever said in the Old Testament, the Lord of all the earth. Yeah the lord that meaning that means that god is the god of all gods of all he's the god over all <clears throat> demonic powers that god is over all of us first time that this is ever said which is which is very important because these israelites are going to go in and going to face all these demonic principalities and powers that they don't even know even anything about and so the that the lord that the lord god of all, of all I lost my place. That the Lord of the, all the earth shall rest in the and shall rest in the waters of Jordan. You, you, did you see this? There's two ways to read this verse. Number one, the first way to read it is in the boat. what? He was asleep. He was <laughs> asleep in the boat. One way to read this is that when the when the soles of the feet of the of the priests rest in the Jordan, that's one way to read it. Rest. Yeah. When they rest, God moves. Or when God rests in the midst of the Jordan. When he rests in the midst of the Jordan. There's two ways to read this. And when that rest happens, then 16 miles uh, up north by the city called Adam, the waters, they stand up as a heap. It's not like the waters part like the Red Sea, but they stand up like this huge heap. And they just stop flowing. And the waters, there's literally dry ground. And then the waters south of where the Israelites were also stop. So there's this massive space, like 16 to 20 miles of empty space. And that's where the Israelites, 2 million of them, cross over. That's amazing. 2 million people, they're moving across. And this is what's happening. They're standing. So the, the, the um, priests stand right where they are. The water the, the water uh, stops. They're standing there with the presence of God. And as long as the presence of God is on these priests, the waters are, 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 are stopped and the Israelites are passing over on dry ground. Such a beautiful picture of intercession. Such a beautiful picture of standing in the gap for other people. Such a beautiful picture of just you having all of your personal issues going on in your life. You are bearing the Ark of the Covenant for somebody else that you don't even know about. Lots of, you know, the children of Israel, were they believers? Were they? I don't know what their spiritual state was, but the priests were. We are priests. You may be the only believer in your family or the only one that's walking with God in your family. Stay. Don't get worried about standing in the midst of the the Jordan. Don't worry about that because do it by faith. The waters will part and your family will pass over. God's going to bring these people across. Let's wrap this up. In verse 16, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up very heap very far away at the city of Adam and they passed over on dry ground. Now the priests in the last verse in chapter 3, now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. They pass over and they get to the other side and they land in Gilgal and they take stones from the middle. They take stones. Um, This place that this place that they pass over was a very significant geographical place because this place later on in John chapter one is the place where Jesus is baptized. I just want to finish with this is that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. He has passed our Jordan. He has gone on before us. He has braved death. He has borne our sins. He has borne our troubles, all of our unbelief. Those moments of negativity, Jesus bore that. These are no longer ours. Our sin is separated from us as as far as the east is from the west. Rest in that as a priest. You you and I are priests. Rest in that. Stand. Live with a relationship with the ark. I want to encourage you and I, develop your relationship with the ark. Just go beyond theology. I'm not saying outside of theology, but just go beyond uh, the, the the, the status quo of things. Go deep with God. Go deep, down deep with God. Grow in grace. And when we do this, we will hear the voice. Fellowship with Joshua. Listen to what he's saying and keep your eyes on the ark and you won't go astray. Amen.